Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. And I can also greet you today, perhaps in another way, Christ is baptized. And you would respond, in the Jordan. Because this week, in the Eastern Church's liturgical calendar, the Feast of Epiphany is also called Theophany. And it is a feast in which we celebrate and observe the baptism of Jesus Christ in the River Jordan. We call it Theophany because at that moment, the Trinity was revealed. Theophany means the revelation, the epiphany, epiphanic moment of God. It's interesting how in the Eastern churches, and this is another example, how East and West both can arrive at a similar point or even the same point, but come at it from different ways. That similar point, that same point this week in the church East and West is epiphany, a manifestation, a showing forth. In the West, it's the showing forth of the newborn Savior to the Magi, which is very meaningful because it means Christ is being shown forth and he's come to save all people, the Gentiles, not just the Jewish believers. In the East, we speak of a showing forth as well, only for us now, it's a showing forth not only of the second person, the Trinity, but also of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity. In other words, God himself, the Trinitarian God, so we call it theophany. But at the center of this observance in the Eastern churches is the element of water. First of all, because Jesus Christ entered into the River Jordan, and any time Christ enters into something, whatever it is, especially if it's a part of nature, that thing is going to be transformed, transfigured, affected in a very positive way. So the entrance of Christ into the water has great and profound significance for us, in the Eastern churches, and that's why the blessing, or more correctly, the consecration of water is done on this Feast of the Theophany. Usually it's done at the evening vigil service, the Vesper service of Theophany, and that water is contained in a beautiful container, and usually in the middle of the church, surrounded by flowers, and it's very decorative, very meaningful. It is definitely a focus point in the church. 
And the significance of water and of water in this event is very, very comprehensive. And it's interesting how in the liturgical texts in the Eastern churches, they oftentimes use the technique of dialogue or even of the inanimate thing itself, like water, speaking. Sometimes I think that's where maybe Walt Disney got his ideas for animation, where things that don't talk suddenly are able to speak and be almost human-like. Well, so too it is in the liturgical text, in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, especially for feast days like this, the Theophany. For example, in one of the matin services, we sing this, When the Jordan saw you stripped naked, it cried out in fear to the one who had been born of a barren womb. O John, let the Lord be baptized, the one who purified all creation with fire and the Spirit. Behold, for this reason he has appeared, to sanctify the elements of earth and water. Yes, he has come to be baptized to sanctify, first and foremost, us. Jesus Christ did not need to be baptized. We needed his baptism. Whenever we're baptized, we are baptized into Christ baptism. Remember, things in the church, especially when it comes to Christ, such as the Eucharist or his baptism, have a timelessness to them. They are a one-time event that spans all time. And so whenever we enter into that event, we enter into it as though it's happening for the first time. So all of our baptisms are the sharing in Christ one baptism. And so when the River Jordan cries out, it's amazed at this incredible mystery, and it realizes that as God himself in the form of Jesus Christ, the incarnate God, enters into the water, it automatically sanctifies the elements of earth and water. In other words, all of the earth. This is why in the icon of Theophany, and most especially in the beautiful, very comprehensive, complex icon of the Nativity of our Lord, we do have every aspect of creation. We have the sky, we have a star, we have angels, we have humans, we have rocks, we have trees, every dimension. And of course, above all, we have water. And this means that God has come into every aspect of creation and changed it, sanctified it, elevated it by his very presence If he enters into one part of his creation, it means that since everything is connected in Christ, it means that he is affecting all parts of creation. If he becomes human, that means he is also entering into and sanctifying all of creation because we humans are made from creation. But in a particular way, he's entering into the water. He's touching the water, immersing himself in it for our sake. And so that water becomes sanctified. Here's another conversation is where we listen to the water speak. O Jordan, why do your waters change course? Why do your streams stop? And why do you not flow as you should? The river then answered, I cannot hold the fire that consumes me. I am amazed and awed at his great condescension, for I am not accustomed to wash him who is clean. I have not learned to bathe the sinless, but to purify the unclean vessels. Christ now baptized in me, teaches me to burn the thorns of sin. John, the voice of the word, testifies with me and cries out, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. O faithful, with a loud voice let us say, You are manifested for our salvation. O God, glory to you. Now notice that word, manifested. 
That's what epiphany means. So in the Eastern churches, although we call this theophany, we have a meeting point with our Western brethren, the Western lung of the church, who celebrates the visit of the Magi and call it epiphany. We have that connecting point of a manifestation, an epiphanic. It means something is going forth from a source, like a word, a message, a showing, an illumination is going forth. And in both cases, East and West, it is Christ. It is coming from Christ, going forth to the world. In the case of the Eastern churches, it is Christ, but also the other two persons of the Trinity along with him, the Holy Spirit and God the Father. Because remember, as we read in the Gospel account, the voice of the Father boomed out from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit came upon him, upon Jesus, descended upon him in the form of a dove. And so we have these three persons of the Trinity being revealed, but the center of it all is Christ and the element of water. Now, once we consecrate this water, and it is consecrated, more so than blessed, and we have to make a little distinction here. What does it really mean to bless something? To bless something really means to affirm in a special way through prayer the true quality of that thing. Remember when God created everything in the book of Genesis, every time he saw it, he said it was good. He blessed it. To bless something means to affirm its real value. And its real value, the real value of anything, is that it reflects or manifests God. So when we bless something, we're not putting some kind of magic over it. We're not changing it. We're just affirming, in a sense, bringing out more into the open, into the fore, its actual quality. And that's why we treat blessed things with reverence, not because it's a superstition or we're trying to be scrupulous about it. Oftentimes people ask me, well, what do I do with something that's blessed that maybe seems to be in bad condition, just can't, can't go on anymore? Maybe it has to be thrown away. How do I do that? Well, we have different ways. We bury it or we burn it, or in some other reverent way, we put it to bed, so to speak. The idea being is that we affirm the quality of this. We don't do it because we don't put something away if it can no longer exist because of its condition, because of some sort of superstition or guilt. I know this is sacred, it was blessed, so I have to be careful what I do with it. That's part of it, but it's not a superstitious thing. It's a respect, a reverence for the quality of that thing. Just as we reverence the body while we're alive, the human body, we also reverence it while it's dead. That's why we give it proper burial, and we bless it with water. So blessing means to affirm the actual meaning of something. Now, to consecrate something, that goes to another level. The consecration is where we actually call down the Holy Spirit upon that thing or that person. And the Holy Spirit can only be called down by the priest, and in particular, the bishop. And the priest shares in the office of the bishop. So the priest, in the blessing of water, the great sanctification of water in the Eastern churches on this Feast of Theophany, calls down the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's presence actually enters into that thing. So it's a little bit different than blessing. Blessing affirms, in a prayerful way, the true quality of something, but consecration actually changes, really elevates that quality in a mystical way, because the Holy Spirit is called down and enters into that particular thing. So that's going to change it. It's going to affect it. Just as we heard the River Jordan speaking about how it was changed when Christ entered into it. Because this is such a significant moment, this consecration of water, the prayers in the 
service for the sanctification of water are very, very comprehensive, very, very beautiful, very complex, and very long. And there's a couple of prayers that the priest says as he breathes over the water. And at one point, he puts his hand into the water, makes the sign of the cross. And at another point, he actually takes a cross and plunges it into the water and blesses the water three times. But before he does that, he says these magnificent prayers. And we're going to take a look at some of those prayers for the blessing of water when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by writing a check to Light of the East and mail it to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. This is the first Sunday of the new year, the new civil calendar, that is. And so, since we are beginning that new year, I just say hello to a few people who have been with us for this past year and hopefully will continue to be with us this year and, and hopefully many years to come. I'd like to say hello to our good friend Buddy from Athol, Massachusetts, and also Sonia, to Bill Radovich, and many of you out west, many listeners out in California area, Macklin Heart Radio. And also, and above all, those of you who are listening to us in prison. You are special to us, and we really appreciate you listening. We're so happy we can come into your lives with our message of the church, East and West, in particular, the message of the church, East. So once again, thank you to all of you and wishing you the best for this new year. And above all, we have to thank the man who got it all started for us, Charles Cook out of Saginaw, Michigan. God bless you, Charles. Hopefully you'll have many more blessed years, as we say in the Byzantine Church. 
All right, now back to these prayers, these magnificent prayers. I'm just going to give you a sample because they're very lengthy and our program isn't long enough to even contain these prayers. <laughs> and it's all part of a very long service, a long and beautiful service in our Byzantine church. So as I mentioned, the priest breathes over the water. He plunges his hand in the water in the form of a cross, makes a sign of the cross in the water. He plunges a cross into the water and makes a sign of the cross in it. And he also takes a three-branch candle and plunges the flames of the candle into the water. So we have several moments in this sanctification, this consecration of water, where something enters into that water, just as Christ did, and changes the quality of it. And one of the prayers that we say is this, Today is the time for celebration. The choir of saints joins with us, and the angels celebrate with us. Today, the Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, descends upon the waters. Today, the never-setting sun rises and illuminates the world with the light of the Lord. Today, the moon in its splendor shines together with the world. Today, the stars adorn the universe with their brilliance. Today, the clouds rain justice from heaven upon mankind. Today, the uncreated willingly allows his creatures to lay their hands upon himself. Today the prophet and forerunner approaches the master but stands trembling before him when he sees God's condescension toward us. Today the waters of Jordan are changed into healing waters by the presence of the Lord. Today all creation is watered by mystical streams. Today the sins of mankind are cleansed by the waters of the Jordan. Today paradise is open to mankind. The sun of justice shines upon us. Today the bitter waters in the time of Moses is changed to sweetness for the people by the coming of the Lord. Now I can go on, but I, hopefully you noticed that we began each phrase here with the word today. We emphasize that. It's very significant. This points to that sense of timelessness, of the eschaton, that whatever we do in the church, especially liturgically and sacramentally, is really as though it's just happening now. The past, the present, the future fuse into one timeless moment. So we say that today this is what's happening. And you'll notice what else was mentioned. All the elements of creation were mentioned in their magnificence, how they're all somehow shining with splendor because of this moment. And we mentioned human beings as well. And mentioned, of course, the waters cleansed by Christ coming into them and by our calling down the Holy Spirit upon these waters. So the element of creation being sanctified, being changed, especially through the sanctification of water, is a very, very strong theme in these prayers and for this day. Now, what we do with the water after we have consecrated it is a priest takes it, he drinks from it, people come forward, they drink from the water, they're sprinkled with the water, the church is sprinkled with the water, and we take that water and we bless all kinds of things with it. We bless our homes with it, we bless the church, we bless articles with it. Blessing of things through whether it's the usual blessing, the affirming of the quality of something, or the calling down of the Holy Spirit, is very, very significant in the church, both East and West, and in particular this time of year in the Eastern churches, and especially with this element of water. But there's other ways that we bless and other things that we bless in the Eastern churches, because as we see from this feast, and this feast is great for giving us this background, all things have to be seen incarnationally, theophanically, epiphanically, meaning all things have to be seen all things in the order of creation, have to be seen with having a special quality because God has entered into, first of all, he created those things, but he entered into those things and he gave them that special quality. And our place and what the church does is to, especially through the priest, is to affirm that quality, to recognize that quality 
and to avail ourselves of the graces, the mystical energy that is actually in those physical things. In this case, first of all, of course, it's water. That's one of the main things that we consecrate or bless and we use to bless just about everything in our church. (laughs) But it's not the only thing that we bless. We bless another thing that comes from nature, a combination of the hand of God and also the work of man, and that is the oil from the olives, the olive oil. And that oil is used to bless a number of things and, and during a number of occasions, the most significant of which is the anointing of the sick. In the ceremony of the anointing of the sick in the Eastern churches, there's two prayers in which the priest blesses the oil. This is what he says. O Lord, through your abundant mercy and goodness, you heal our spiritual and bodily ills. Therefore, O Master, sanctify this oil that those who are anointed with it be healed and released from every suffering and defilement of flesh and spirit and from all evil. In this, may your most holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be glorified now, whenever, and forever. Amen. Now, this prayer is surrounded, is preceded, and also is followed by litanies and readings from the Scripture. And then there's the second prayer that blesses the olive oil for the anointing of the sick, and the priest says this, O uncreated and eternal one, holy of holies, you sent your only begotten Son to heal every infirmity and every wound of our souls and bodies. Send down your Holy Spirit and sanctify this oil, making it for your servant about to be anointed a perfect deliverance from their sins and an inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. For it is you, our God, who shows us your mercy and saves us, and we give glory to you together with your only begotten Son, your most holy, gracious, life-giving Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. Then the priest blesses the sick person. He blesses them with his finger, dips his finger into that now-blessed olive oil, and he touches them in the form of a cross on their forehead, their eyes, their ears, their nostrils, their lips, their chest, their hands and feet, and he says the appropriate prayer of the anointing. The point is, is that we use olive oil and we bless it and use it for the anointing of the sick. We also use the oil in the Byzantine church to anoint people during certain feast days, during certain holy days, especially the vigils. The anointing of the oil reminds them, and again, the oil is blessed. It reminds the individual that they are called to be as Christ was, the anointed ones. Christ, of course, means the anointed. So they're anointed with the holy oil on the vigil of the feast, and they usually receive a piece of blessed bread as well. It's actually part of the all-night vigil. That's actually where the custom comes from. In most parishes today, that is transferred to Sunday, so everyone can participate in it. So the people come forward on days in which we've had a feast day, and they're anointed with the holy oil in the form of a cross, and the priest says, Christ is among us. And the response is, there's always a response, (laughs) the response is, He is and always will be. And the person takes the piece of blessed bread, which is another thing that we bless. We bless bread. We bless bread for meals. In a sense, it's a liturgical midnight snack of an all-night vigil. Now, very few people, perhaps in monasteries, but very few people now in parishes stay up all night. Sometimes we do, perhaps on Holy Saturday before Easter, maybe on Christmas, we stay up most of the night, if not all night. But very few people otherwise stay up all night, as they used to do in the church. And the idea of the oil and the bread, and with that also with some wine, those things were blessed as a way of getting through the night, like a mini midnight snack. Well, we transfer that now, practically speaking, or pastorally speaking, in Eastern churches to Sunday, where everyone can participate in it. So we bless oil, bread, and wine during very important feast days or holy days in the liturgical calendar. And we bless all kinds of things, as I mentioned, because 
It's a way of affirming God's presence, that incarnation, that manifestation that God has entered into his own creation, therefore changed the quality of it. And everything made from God is good. So blessing is a way of proclaiming that in a very, very particular way. We also bless things like cars, your automobiles. Yeah, that's right. On the feast of the prophet Elijah, which is in the summertime in July, the custom of blessing vehicles comes from the fact that Elijah was taken up in a fiery chariot. So you see how we use blessings of things to connect ourselves with the Scripture, to make the scriptural events and the people in the Scripture come alive, make it our event. Those people are us. Those events are our events, our lives. And this is what the priest says in the Feast of St. Elijah as he blesses cars. The Lord our God, who make the cloud your conveyance and walk on the wings of the wind, who sent your servant Elias a chariot of fire, who have guided man to invent these vehicles, which are as fast as the wind, we render thanks to you. For you have provided your servants with this vehicle to serve in their different needs. Therefore, O Master, pour now upon it your heavenly blessings and assign to it a guardian angel to preserve it against all evil. And as you have granted faith and grace by your deacon Philip to the man from Ethiopia who was sitting in his chariot and reading Holy Scripture, show the way of salvation to your servants, so that helped by your grace and always intent on doing good works, they may, after all the trials of their pilgrimage and life on earth, attain to everlasting joys through the intercession of Our Lady, the Most Holy and Ever-Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, through the power of the honorable life-giving cross, through the prayers of all holy angels and all the saints, for you are the provider and the sanctifier of all things, and we give glory to you, to only begotten Son, your all-holy, gracious, life-giving Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. There are other things that we bless as well in the Eastern churches, but during this time of year, it is the great sanctification, the great consecration of water that is our special focus. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Now you can hear podcasts of Light of the East and never miss a program or hear one again and again and again. How is this possible, you may ask? Just visit ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And click on the Light of the East tab. There you'll find Light of the East programs for listening or download and a link to a Light of the East iTunes subscription. Now you can hear Light of the East for the first time all over again, anytime you want. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.